This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson. Our Supreme Court Justice. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson. Our Supreme Court Justice. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Promo code Stu to save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. We encourage you to jump on board. If you're watching on YouTube, become a, that, a part of that community, uh, community as well. Like the video right now. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell. Give me all the reminders, all the things. We'll all join in this together to defeat the evil algorithm robots. Alex Stein is going to be here to break down and mock the latest in the Biden classified document scandal. Younger voters are moving away from the major political parties. We'll talk about the implications of that. But we start by doing the future of MLK's legacy. Welcome to MLK Day. Yes, and you can see one thing you'll know about MLK Day. The Blaze, clearly racists, because they're making me work on MLK Day. Now, that has nothing to do with anything other than racism. So if they try to tell you, well, we just had the people needed to hear the news today, blah, 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 and they're making the NBA players play, well, why can't we make you do your stupid show? Don't, Don't listen to any of it. Pure racism from the ground up systemic racism to keep a white man on the air on Martin Luther King Day. Pretty sure that's the way this works. Now, what's interesting about the MLK legacy is something we we all kind of, I thought, I thought we all understood this together. Martin Luther King had his ideas about people being equal, that everybody, regardless of their skin color, could have the same opportunity in America. And that was a goal that I thought, I believed, my entire life that we all shared. I really did. Everybody I knew, and I did not grow up in a, you know, I mean, I did grow up in Connecticut, uh, but generally speaking, uh, pretty uh, white bread sort of part of the the state. Not a ton of diversity there. I mean, you can look at me, you know, I'm the whitest white guy you're ever going to see. There were other people who, uh, who were, you know, I don't know what the population percentage was in the town I grew up in, but generally speaking, mostly white people there. I don't know. So when you get to that point where you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, these are the people that are supposed to be racists. These are a bunch of white people living among white people. They must be completely racist. Yet, I don't know. Everybody I knew seemed to share in that same vision I just described that I would describe kind of the source of it as being Martin Luther King. Why does he have a national holiday? He doesn't have a national holiday because he supported unions once. He has a national holiday because he said, hey, content of the character, not color of the skin. Stop looking at how people appear and judging them by their outward appearance like some moron and instead judge them by the merit of their character, by the person they are, by the things that they do. And it's one of those things that we all know that over history of the United States and all across the world, 
our societies have fallen short on that over and over again. It used to be a lot more common back in the day. It's become less common, but it still, of course, does happen at times. But it's, it's a utopian goal. You're not going to be able to cure the bad thoughts of every human being, but it is a utopian goal to get to a place where none of us ever think about this again. We have this idea of a colorblind society where we all kind of come together and say, look, I'm going to judge that guy on the fact that he's a moron, not the fact that he has a, you know, white skin or black skin or any other color of skin. That's, I really did think, and I think it was true for a long time. There was a, a, a shared vision by almost all Americans that that was what we were shooting for. No more. That part of Martin Luther King's legacy is dying, and it's dying fast. You saw uh, people tearing down statues of, of icons like, you know, Abraham Lincoln, icons like Benjamin Franklin, people who fought against slavery with every fiber of their being. And I'm telling you this, we are not far away from people tearing down statues of Martin Luther King, not people like from Charlottesville carrying torches. No, no. I'm talking about the American left tearing down statues of Martin Luther King. Remember I said it, it might take 10 years, but it'll be here because the central part of his legacy is, is, is something the left can't live with anymore. Their entire argument is the opposite of what Martin Luther King stood for. King said he wanted people to be judged by who they are, by their merit, by the content of who, their care, of who they were. And instead, what we have to do is now do the opposite. We have to do this Ibram Kendi game, where we instead judge people by the color of their skin and not the content of their character. In fact, we can make broad generalizations based on their race. Does anyone else think that sounds like racism? If you can say, hey, all white people are blank, that's racism. Especially if you're, if you're assigning a negative characteristic, which is what the left is doing. They're saying they're terrible racists or they're saying they're, uh, they're you know, awful people who all they want to do is, is vilify uh, you know, black people or minorities or LGBTQQIA2+, or whatever the group is of the day. This is insanity. And I thought it was something that we move past. Of course, Ibram Kendi and others have changed that dynamic. Ibram Kendi says, the only way to cure past uh, discrimination is current discrimination. And the only way to cure current discrimination is future discrimination. He's outwardly advocating for future discrimination. Not only does he want it now, he wants it going on into the future because that is what the American left is today. It's not what I am. It's not what you are. I don't think it's what the average Democrat is either. I don't think they're falling for this, but I do think it's a real risk that they do. And once they do, people will, you'll see the extremes of this party do things like tear down MLK, uh, MLK statues. And in this country, you will see that. It's funny because we went from a time where there was no um, holiday for Martin Luther King. There was a big debate about that. People went back and forth for multiple reasons. Some people didn't think he was worthy of it, but most people argued, look, we can't just have another free holiday. Like, it's going to screw up all the, you know, like, we can honor him, but we can't be giving everybody a day off. That went back and forth for years. Finally, it was solved. You know, now we're at the point where basically Martin Luther King Day has been around for as long as Martin Luther King was alive. That's how long it's been around. And honestly, I don't know how many more years we have of this. Let me, let me walk you down a path here a little bit, because I think it's possible we could all be alive in a period 
where Martin Luther King is no longer uh, an icon, no longer someone who is revered, no longer someone who has a national holiday. Now, there's a lot of question marks around his legacy right now because the left is abandoning that central tenet of King's teaching. Hey, be nice to everybody, whether they're white or black or whatever. Stop judging them based on the color of their skin. Stop assigning negative characteristics to people based on skin color, something that I think we were all together on not too long ago. But the left has abandoned that. And as they abandon it, Martin Luther King, who, by the way, once was a Republican. Uh, we've talked to Alveda King about this, his niece. Um, but she, at one point, he was a Republican. He, uh, he went through a bunch of different uh, you know, uh, waves of his life as, as to what he believed. But he was always very central on the fact that we just need to treat people fairly. That's all. Treat people fairly. Give people a chance. Let when, you, when your kids are playing together, you shouldn't notice that white people and black, you know, white kids and black kids are playing together. You'll just notice that kids are playing together. But the left has abandoned this. So you have this weakening of the foundations of why we do revere Martin Luther King. And the question today really is, why does the left revere him anymore? You see the left constantly attacking the central teachings of Martin Luther King and what he believed. And once you're at that point, why does, he, why does he get revered? What you'll see with the left is they will say all these things that disagree with what Martin Luther King wanted, this colorblind society. And, he, and they will say it over and over and over and over again. And then when it comes to Martin Luther King Day, they're all tweeting their pictures of him. They're all saying how wonderful he was. There's a name brand recognition right now of Martin Luther King on the left. But they've lost the actual teachings. You know, it's like, you know, it's like cheering for a team when you don't know any of the players. That's where we are right now with the American left. They still are hanging on to the team's logo and the team's uniform, but they don't follow the team anymore. They're not really paying attention. They don't know any of the stats. They don't know how they did this year. They just kind of generally consider themselves loosely a fan. And that is this type of fandom that fades away when things get tough. They are outwardly moving the opposite direction, so why would they revere him anymore? And to add on to this, we have to talk about something that's kind of uncomfortable because I do revere Martin Luther King because he was able to teach these really important tenets. The things that, you know, I teach my kids, hey, you know, we never, we never think about that. It's just not something that's important. You judge a person whether they're a good person or a bad person. You hang out with a person because they're a good person or a bad person. You do that because you, you want to recognize them for who they are, their core. You don't judge them by some dumb, immutable characteristic. What moron would do that? Why pick skin color and not hair color or eye color? None of this makes any sense. So, Martin Luther King, in 2027, has some, at least we're scheduled, to have a bunch of documents and recordings released. Now, we don't know exactly what is in there, but we do know some of the details, and they're not pleasant. One of the things we know about is, of course, Martin Luther King had some issues with who wound up in his bed uh, a lot of times. And he seemed, according to these documents, according to historians, you know, had a bunch of different women around the country that he would uh, make time with as he, uh, as he did his travels. Now, look, nobody's perfect. You'd think as a reverend he would be avoiding such activities. But hey, again, you know, uh, nobody's perfect. It doesn't mean that what he was saying about uh, racial equality was wrong. You can still under, take, take uh, teachings from that, and that's fine. 
I think we can all, I think we all have already made peace with the idea that maybe Martin Luther King wasn't living in his personal life up to the standards that he was projecting to everybody else. That we're kind of used to with our public figures, aren't we? I mean, you know, if we're going to go back, we can obviously go back to the 1700s and find uh, tons and tons of examples of people acting poorly, which is what the left loves to do. They haven't really gone after this as much with Martin Luther King, but that is there. I don't think that's enough to upend his legacy. I will say, however, some of the stuff that's rumored to be in this tapes, these tapes might actually be enough to just upend his legacy completely separate from whatever he wound up saying and completely separate really from his personal infidelity. Sealed FBI audio tapes allege Martin Luther King Jr. had affairs with 40 women and, most important part, watched while a friend raped a woman, a report claims. Now, this comes from a guy who uh, was a uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author and had a, one of the best known Martin Luther King biographies. This guy knows Martin Luther King. He's not just some you know, right wing person or some left wing person who doesn't like King and is trying to bash him. What they allege is on, or on the, these tapes is really, really disturbing. The biographer behind the report alleging sexual misconduct by Martin Luther King Jr. says other publications rejected his story because they lacked courage. Now, if you go through this, you'll see basically what they are saying is the, uh, the tapes and the accompanying documents say that Martin Luther King was in a bedroom with um, other men. Uh, one of the men, not Martin Luther King, but one of the men he was with, apparently raped a woman while Martin Luther King, quote unquote, cheered him on and, and laughed about it. Whew. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. Um, I got to say, if that is there and it's credible and this actually happened, can any person that did something like that in, in the history that is really, really recent to us, you know, again, we're not talking the 1700s here. We're talking a few decades ago. Can anyone in that position have a national holiday? I mean, I, look, his teachings are great, but there's other people who taught the same stuff. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, there's lots of great uh, historians, uh, lots of great uh, civil rights leaders who, uh, you know, now the left seems to reject. But there's plenty of people who focus on that message. We could we could find another. I and mean, we don't. Uh, Martin Luther King was unique in his influence at that time. And of course, his history should be taught. But if he was doing that. Can we sit here and revere a guy who sat there while a woman was being raped and cheered it on? We don't know if that is exactly what is on these tapes. Again, it comes from a super credible source. Not just some guy, not some guy on the internet, not some right-wing hater, not someone who was carrying a torch in Charlottesville, but a Pulitzer Prize biographer of Martin Luther King. But we don't have the documents. We don't have the evidence yet. Those documents and that evidence are due to be unsealed in 2027. Now, 2027 to me still seems like the futuristic year where you know, cars are going to be flying and uh, we're going to be on little pods uh, traveling around, like, you know, I don't know, Jetson style. But like, it's not that far away. It's 2023. This is only four years away. Uh, that's not that far. You know, I mean, we're going to have, uh, we're two elections away from this. Think about, it. you know, we just had a midterm election. You got a presidential election, another midterm, and all of a sudden these are going to be unsealed. Now, part of me believes there's a really good chance at the end of the day, they're not going to unseal these if this is the actual truth behind the matter. Of course, we deserve to know the truth. We deserve to know who we're revering. The teachings, to me, are pristine. But the man behind it was not, 
And he may be even worse than any of us even considered. And if that's true, I think a lot of people are going to want to bail on revering Martin Luther King. But it plays exactly into what the left is looking to do right now. In a way, they have this attachment to Martin Luther King because he was the man who was the face of the civil rights movement and did so many great things, things that the left says they care about, like racial equality. I see very little evidence that they actually care about that, but that's a whole other story for another day. But when you have a situation like this, in a way, it's going to give them an excuse if these papers come out, if these videos come out, or uh, audio recordings come out, and it backs these reports up. It's going to give them an excuse to be able to bail. And then what does that mean? They want the part of Martin Luther King's legacy that talks about equality of opportunity to go away. They want it dead. That they've been very clear about, but they don't really have an out. This may give them the out that they're looking for. So can anyone's legacy survive allegations like this? It's a really interesting question for the next four, five, six years, because it's, it's at, we're at that point where the left has already chipped away at the foundation as to why we care about Martin Luther King in the first place. And with something like this, in the Me Too era, it's hard to, to see how they can be making arguments that this guy should be the face of the civil rights movement. They will, I, they will, they want to bail on this guy. They're looking for an excuse. Now, this would provide one uh, beyond, I think, their greatest expectations here. It would give you, I think, even people who really love the teachings of Martin Luther King might look back at it and say, eh, I don't know that I want to necessarily be supporting a guy who sat by while a rape occurred. We will see if this comes out. But it's, if we didn't have enough strife now, just wait and see what the next few years are going to look like. Imagine your pet suffering because of a poor diet, uh, being unable to tell you. Of course, we all want to avoid that. We love our pets. We love our dogs. We love uh, all of our animals. Well, let me tell you about Longevity Formula from Paw Made. This is an all-natural health supplement for dogs made with 23 dog-friendly superfoods to keep your dog healthy and strong. Now, I have uh, three dogs, uh, Ivy who is one or so, Piper, who's like seven or eight, Golden Retriever, and then you got Miles, President Miles, who is uh, in a, I mean, he moves around very slowly, uh, but he's still a happy dog, and he gets through the day. We had to build him a little ramp, like he was like a, you know, they, it was like a uh, handicap ramp, ramp, handicapable, sorry, handicapable ramp, to, so he kind of eased down off the step to go outside. It's, you know, look, he's not moving super fast, but he's like 18 years old. The fact that he's moving at all is incredible. Uh, to help your dog have the best life that they can, to have longevity, to have their, help their joints and, and, and whatever pain they may go through as they get older, you should try this. It's Longevity Formula. It contains special toxin-fighting nutrients to protect your dog so they can live a long, happy life by your side. Right now, there is a limited-time offer uh, going on where you can, every purchase of Longevity Formula, you'll be able to get a free bottle of Paw Maid's hip and joint formula as well. To claim your offer, go to pawmade.com slash stew, P-A-W-M-A-D-E dot com slash stew, or call free, uh, call toll-free, 833-PAW-MADE, P-A-W-M-A-D-E. It's pawmade.com slash stew or 833-PAW-MADE. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I want to bring in Alex Stein. Of course, he's the host of the upcoming show, Primetime, with Alex Stein. It's right here on Blaze TV. It's coming up. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. When is the show? We don't know yet when the show starts. Well, either at the very end of January or the first week of February. We have to do some run-throughs. We have to get you know some overlays, some little things dialed in with the set. So we're, we're shooting for the end of January. But if not, it will be very early February. And let me tell you something, Stu. Mm. I'm so honored to have this show here, and I'm so gracious and, and so... Yeah, I can't tell you what an honor it is to even be your coworker, but it's a lot of pressure. Do you feel that same pressure doing a show here at the Blaze? Uh, I don't, I, I've been here for a long time. I know. So you I was have here no before pr- the Blaze was here. So, so you have no pressure. No, what I do. I, that's the one thing with my show. It's like I'm so excited. I have all these ideas, but there is a little bit of pressure. Not that I'm not going to be able to succeed, but that I want it to be a success so bad. Sure. No, that's you know? So that's why it's like a, I put the pressure on myself. So I'm so excited. I'm ready to, to get it started. But it's also there's this kind of thing in my head. It's like. This better be good. Yeah, da, da, right. da, da, da. You know, it's yeah. this weird kind of anxiety. We're all good depending anxiety. on you, Alex. Yes, exactly. So it's all me. Please don't screw this up. Um, <laughs> no. So, can you give us a little idea what the show's going to be like? I mean, because I know you're you're obviously most you know most well known for going out and doing things at these uh, public events. But this is going to have kind of a combination, or how is it going to go? Yeah, well, it's going to be, uh, I would say, a combination of both. I, I would like to describe it similar to how the Ali G show was on HBO, oh, yeah. where you'd have guests in, but you'd also play vignettes or clips of him going out on the street and doing bits. So similar to this past weekend, like I brought my wife's boyfriend, Dontarius, to Capitol <laughs> Hill to a bunch of protests. Yes. So we're doing bits like that. Like what I want to say, and, and to break kayfabe or whatever, it's like me when I bring an actor to do that, it's I'm shooting a sketch, but it's a reality sketch because I'm using right. real people. People. So that is the idea of the show. It's like where I'm fake pretending stuff, but I'm using real people around. It's like Eric Andre or like what Ali G or Borat did. So I hope the show is similar in that vein. I know that sounds weird, but where I have guests on, and instead of just having like a Congresswoman Green on and kissing her butt, I want to talk about weird stuff like moon landing, aliens, just, you know, you know <laughs> throw her off. Yeah. Just a little different than your normal political show and culture jamming, being weird and nonsensical in the same way that the Ali G show was. Like, you never know if they're going to talk about the climate. You, you never really knew what the show was going to be about. Yeah, I mean, it's a, there's a great tradition. I mean, Nathan For You. Kind exactly. Of that. He's the best. He's Nathan, the best. Nathan For You, and, and, and this is the thing is, you know that he has so much production that goes into his show, but his show is literally the top notch when it comes to cleverness and creativity and comedy and layers. He's the best. So if I can be like one eighth of that, yeah. that's what I'm shooting for. You oh, know? That's great, and that's a, that's a great. That's going to be a really entertaining show yeah. to watch. Can, wait, can we go back to Don Dontarius? Dontarius, yes, Dontarius. my wife's boyfriend. Yes, your wife's boyfriend. Guy, yes, yes. Uh, I've seen him in several of your videos recently. Yes. Can you give us like an origin story of how we how you found Dontarius? Well, Dontarius, uh, a little people, little do people know that Dontarius as well was uh, he went viral on TikTok okay. for. A woman ended up bringing him into his house, and she got pregnant from him. So you have to type in uh, Dontarius getting a woman pregnant TikTok or homeless man gets a woman pregnant TikTok. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm definitely not searching But that. if you do I, search I, that, it's <laughs> one of the most viral videos. And okay. the New York Post wrote about him. So, so he has a following on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And then he teams up with Primetime 99 Alex Stein. And our first endeavor was the Barstool Sports 
you know, raid where we raided the headquarters. Yes, because you had a back, taking people back, you had a back and forth with Dave, the, Portnoy. With Dave Portnoy, the guy who, you know, founded Barstool Sports. And it was originally, like, he was kind of a fan of one of your videos, and then They got, posted a video, yeah. and they took it down because it was political, but really, it was just anti-gambling. Or yeah, I said I, that I lost all my money gambling. And I so, remember this. It's the one in Vegas, right? Yes, and so they took it down, but then he invited me on his podcast, but then within an hour of inviting me on his podcast, <laughs> somebody had sent him an anti-abortion rally that, that I went to. Yeah. And he shared the videos, like, oh, I would never have this guy on. And I'm like, what? I, basically saying, oh, you know, he's too political for me because he's pro-choice, but that's, that's neither here nor there. That's just an excuse not to have me on because I think he knew that I would call him out on the show. Right. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. But really and truly, if, if Dave hears this, I would have been respectful. I would have been nice. I don't want the guy to hate me. I don't have any personal hate towards him or Barstool. For me, it's more like kind of a radio bit. And like uh, now it's a rivalry because you invited me on and then uninvited me. So I have a reason to be mad. I, I do think that there's reason for him to believe you might not be fully respectful after what happened at Barstool when you well, came in yeah, with but your to be honest, boyfriend. I was totally respectful. Don Terrius and I, we said, we talked about this before. <laughs> if anything happens, if they hit us, you do not hit back. And I think you can see clearly on the tape, I was the one. Don Terrius and I were the victims of assault. And we were very nice. And we're not going to press charges because even though we are insane, we're not that insane. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that came. Now, he's been coming in some, several of your videos now. And you actually did take him to Congress and met with several Troy Nels. We met with uh, Congressman Green. We also went to Dan Crenshaw's office. We went to AOC's <laughs> office. And we met with their staffer. They were not too happy to see us. So, no? So, no, they weren't. Surprisingly, oh. they weren't. I should have brought flowers for AOC. But, uh, yeah, Don Terry has called AOC a big booty Latina to one of her staffers. And he, he said, yeah, that's disgusting. So it's really great uh, footage. But that's like that's the idea of my show is I want to show bits of me doing that and then kind of talking about it. But that would just be a small part of it. So I want to have the guests on like you have for, you know, the 10-minute interview, the 15-minute yeah. interview. Because I don't really... I do like the long-form podcast. I know you and I have talked about it, but I think you can get a lot said in a one-on-one quick interview. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I, it's, it, it's been an interesting development as far as that goes because if you go back and look at, um, you know, when we came in and we started doing you know, TV at first at mm-hmm. CNN Headline News, I don't even know if that exists anymore, and then uh, Fox News. Wait, that was a separate channel, was CNN Headline News. Yeah, was but we were in the CNN building. Yeah, I mean, it was course. crazy to think the of CNN. Glenn Beck <laughs> sitting around there every day doing a show. <laughs> but like one of the things they were super focused on is like, yeah, the interviews have got to be short. They've got to be three yeah. minutes long. you you got to have you got to have three a... Three minutes long, kind of like <laughs> Tucker does that, though. Tucker's yeah. really short. I mean, yeah. he's to a real extreme, but it was like... This, the, the picture has to change every six seconds. You know, you got to yeah. be bouncing back and forth. And Glenn was like, went the total opposite way, right? Like 20 well, minute monologues. School. Yeah, he, and he was just like, I don't care. I'm going to do it this way, and, and I hope my audience comes along. And now that that idea, I think, has been expanded on people like Joe Rogan, which I know one of your clips was just played on Joe Rogan the other yeah. day. Um, where he's doing three hour interviews. He's yeah. just hanging out doing three hour interviews. And I think like now maybe we've gone really far that way and it might be time to come back towards something a little bit, you know, more contained. Yeah, and people like the three-hour interview, like when they're working and they're doing stuff around the house, yeah. they can just kind of mindlessly listen. But I think like to get the information, they like the quick, succinct interviews. But like I like longer than Tucker Carlson, like you did. So I think that's kind of the sweet spot. But you know, it's funny when you talk about how these producers want it all quick. I do think that they just knew that this is the generation of the TikTok, the yeah. social media generation. So I, they're probably not wrong when it comes to their focus group testing. People probably want quick hits, but at the same time, that's not conducive to making really good quality content. Sometimes you need a little more than just this, like, shot here, shot here, yeah. you know. You always get a clip on the Internet, right, of, of a longer interview. You can do both. Yeah. Um, let me go on to a couple of issues here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your take on, on the whole document scandal. Of course, Carlago. Carlago, which is I thought Carlago is pretty solid. But I was like, this is not. I, I thought the same thing when the when the Donald Trump news came out. 
Look, he's a former president of the United States. Yeah. He's seen all these documents before. The mm-hmm. fact that they happen to be living in his locked closet at Mar-a-Lago, they act as if it's like the easiest thing in the world to get into. Come on. If you go, you've been to Mar-a-Lago before. Yeah, yeah it's very nice. It, very, it's very protective. Nice. You cannot get around. It's a private club. Yeah. But, it's, but, but Stu, you know this. It's not about the documments. I mean, the conspiracy yeah. theories of me, I feel like they want to make Biden ineligible to run in 2024. Mm. And they want to make Trump ineligible to run by saying that they had these documents. But listen, I don't think a vice president could declassify those documents. So we know that there is some sort of procedural process that was done incorrectly at a house that had no logs, so we don't even know who had access to these files. So I think it is a little more nefarious than the media wants to put, but at the same time now, and I think you've had to have noticed this, I saw Joe Scarborough, I believe on MSNBC said, they talked about how Joe Biden lied in his 1988 campaign for president that he marched during the civil rights. Did you see this? Yeah, viral oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they said that his staffer told him, hey, this is fake. Stop saying this. And Biden said, no, no, I'm going to continue to say this. And I said this earlier. This is what's so frustrating is during the civil rights, Joe Biden probably had a thousand chances to participate and actually march in. Right. He was there. Yeah, he yeah. wouldn't even had to lie. But his staffers are saying you're lying. So that shows you how big of a liar and fraud he is that he probably had the opportunity to march in the parades didn't but said he did and this is something that's happened over and over and over and over again with biden like and i don't understand it honestly like i i don't think it really benefits him some of these lies some of them are completely innocuous and and, and ridiculous you know and i don't understand you know the new york times is completely obsessed with george santos this unknown congressman in new york and 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 whatever you know however Santos is weird too i mean he's definitely an embellisher but i mean it does seem like yeah but but like the, the amount of focus they put on this guy, who I've literally yeah. never heard of until this started. Never yeah. heard of him. No, and, and for even, you know, forget about Santos. Obviously, there's very weird as he lied about his mom in 9-11. Then there's, like, videos of him saying his name's Anthony DeVolder. But listen, yeah. I think all all politicians have to lie. But, like, even they have Joe Biden when he was doing, you know, testimony and, and for Congress. You know, he said the N-word. He's just lied about his college education. He's not this perfect guy, and they just always run cover for him. But now that the media, that facade is slipping a little bit, and I think that now... If this is the fact the media is like kind of talking about his lies. That's that's the whole narrative. The narrative yeah. is changing, and I think Joe Biden is on his way out. Do you you think he? Are you on the side of this where you think Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee for the? Oh, I, yeah, well, a thousand percent. I mean, I would think Gavin Newsom, and I, I mean, I, obviously, there's other people, but I think that. I think it would be very dumb for them to go with kind of another white, you know, like white patriarchy type person. I think right. Kamala Harris is like more of their multicultural dictionary definition of what they want. Yeah. But how could they say no to Kamala? She's next in line. Yeah, right. but she's not. You know, no. she's even less qualified than Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. I, I think she is as 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 cognitively impaired as Joe <laughs> is or as we think he is. Kamala Harris, in my opinion, is even worse or a public even a lesser than public orator. When it comes to, you know, she can't even read a teleprompter as good as Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why we have uh, Veep Thoughts with Kamala Harris. <laughs> exactly and he's right. going through her nonsense. There's plenty of examples of that. Yeah. Um, let, let me get you something actually important here before we yeah. leave. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Duh. Uh, they're playing tonight. Uh, you're a Cowboys fan. Uh, what do you, how do you see this going against? I mean, they're going against the sub 500 team. You got to be excited about that draw, but it's Tom Brady. Yeah, well, Stu and I, it's funny for the people playing at home, Stu and I are not only co workers, but we are massive sports enemies. He loves the <laughs> Eagles, I love the Cowboys and their rivals, but we are very, I think you and I have a lot of sportsmanship because we respect each other and our, their opinion, or at least I definitely respect you. I don't know if you respect me, but it, neither here nor there. It's, Stu's very nice to me. My point being is the Cowboys are 0 and 9 in the last 30 years on road playoff games. Yeah. So the fact that they're on the road in Tampa against Tom Brady, who is the best quarterback to ever play. It just makes me very nervous for me to be like, 
Cowboys are going to win because I've done that so many times. As a matter of fact, in 2019, I flew to Los Angeles to watch the Cowboys lose in the Coliseum to the Los Angeles Rams, to Jared Goff, and, and uh, oh, it, was wow. just, it was just so debilitating. And I remember leaving, flying back on that Southwest Airlines flights, too, and, and it was all these Cowboys fans, and they were all sad, and I said, I'm done. I'm done. The Cowboys cannot <laughs> win on the road. They can't win. I mean, I love the Cowboys no matter what, but I just said, I, that's when I lost all hope. I, yeah. That plane ride, I was so sad. I was sitting on there, and all the Cowboys' plans were so dejected because we thought we were going to win. Yeah. We had such a good year that year, and no. It's, it's amazing. Like, I at times pause and think to myself, why do I put myself through this? Like, I, as an e- I think there's a difference between Cowboys fans and Eagles fans, and that, you know, being around Cowboys fans a lot, they're very optimistic. Like, you win yes. two in a row, and they're already telling me, you know, Dak Prescott throws three completions <laughs> in a row, and he's Brady. elite. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. But, like, yeah. where it's the opposite with the Eagles. No matter how good the Eagles are, we That's always true. expect we're going to lose, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're 14-3 and three this year, and I'm just in constant torture of them losing. All I'm thinking about now, <laughs> after we got past these games, Games is now, oh, God, they're going to lose to the Giants, aren't they? They're going to lose to the Giants. And then yeah. if they go against the Cowboys and the 49ers, I'm going to think they're going to lose that. And then I think they're going to lose the Super Bowl. It's just like, why do we do this to ourselves? I know it's a central part of our culture. It's really important, I think, to America, especially the especially football. You know, no, I think you're right. And that's why, like, you know, this trans sports where they're letting men compete in women's sports. It's like the whole culture of America is the idea of competing and the meritocracy of sports. And that's like what made America exceptional. But sadly, uh, not just being sports fans, but America's losing our exceptionalism. And so, like, the last, you know, conduit of American pride is our football. It's the thing everybody yeah. watches. It's literally during the ratings now, all the advertisers are saying, that basically on TV they're done buying ads unless it's the Super Bowl. Literally, we know that those are the most expensive ads because the, the most people watch yeah. pro sports live. It's what that's all TV used to be. Yeah. So it's all that's left. So there's a reason for that because we all love it. We all have a fan, and if we don't love it, we hate watch it. So there is something weird that we just, as a fan, we love to. Uh, uh, it's BDSM or whatever it is. You know, we have some <laughs> sort of uh, a pain fetish. As a Cowboys fan, I have a fetish for breaking my own heart. Uh, it is. By the way, that to, to put some numbers on your on your uh, observation there. Uh, last year, uh, of the top 100 shows in America, 82 of them were NFL games. Of course, 82 yeah. of 100. I mean, they own. The entire culture, basically, at this yeah. point. It it's, really is amazing. I mean, but the advertisers even said it's like that is where they they want all their focus is on the it, NFL. And, and you're watching a recorded show. You're, you're skipping through the commercials. You know, a lot of people are. The only other stuff that you see there are like these live political events, stuff like the, uh, you know, the State of the Union, which is coming up in a few weeks. We're going to have uh, some live uh, YouTube stuff for that for you on that. But that's the only, you know, you can't, you got to watch that one live, I guess, but that's about it. And I want to say, you know, I want to thank the Blaze, you know, for my new show. They gave me a three-year contract. These shows, the reason it sucks now, I <laughs> yeah. have to say this. How much are they paying you? Yeah, you yeah, yeah I won't say that, okay, but I'm saying, you know, at least they're riding with me for three years as long as, you know, I don't do something too stupid. Yeah. But my point is these TV shows on these networks, they don't even get to get off the ground. You know, they do one season, they get canceled. Yeah. So it just sucks. Like, the art is dying. Because this advertising dollars are not being put into it, it's just being put into sports. That's so that, that's really frustrating. I will say, you know, we're out of time, but I, yeah. I am at the point now where I won't even start a series unless it's five series. Duh, seasons that's in. the point. You I get invested in yeah. the character, exactly. And it's, and over. Then it's over. I'm not that's doing it. Sorry, I'm not no doing thanks. it. Oh, well, you can invest in Alex Stein's show because for it's three years, be at least three years, <laughs> and we just found out breaking news here on the Blaze. We got three years. Three, he's going to have three seasons at least. So there you go, Alex Stein. He's going to be uh, coming up on prime time with Alex Stein right here on Blaze TV. Alex, thanks so much for coming on, man. Anytime. And let's lay one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. We used to go to 7.30 Mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. 
Not a joke. Andy knows this. Yeah, Andy doesn't know because it's not even close to true. First of all, does anyone believe that Joe Biden went to mass every day at 730 in the morning? I don't. And then I also don't believe after that he went to a black church. Why? Well, because it's been refuted 100 million times. Let me give you this. Uh, this is from uh, Elena Gold, uh, Goodman. She says uh, she goes into breaking down this claim and that that Joe Biden went to this black church all the time. He says the, the church Biden referenced, Union Baptist Church, was a prominent African-American church in Wilmington run by Otis Herring, the reverend, an acclaimed pastor who passed away in 1996. But Biden has made com- comments that seem to contradict his account. When reporters questioned Biden's claim in 1987 that he marched in the civil rights movement, he acknowledged that he wasn't an activist and that his most significant experience with civil rights as a youth was when he worked at a majority black swimming pool as a college sophomore in 1962. Phyllis Drummond, Herring's longtime assistant who attended Union Baptist for 39 years, said she was not involved with the church in the early 60s, but does not think Biden attended at that time. No, not at our building. I think he was probably at Claymont, Delaware, or in Pennsylvania by then, Drummond told the Washington Free Beacon. Juanita Matthew, who joined Union Baptist in the 1970s and has run its affiliated daycare center for decades, said she wasn't aware of Biden's attendance as a teenager. Herring, she said, befriended Biden after the newly elected senator's wife and daughter were killed in a car accident in 1972, and Biden became a great friend to the church and pastor. Biden's biographical claims have raised eyebrows since his first presidential run over three years ago, or three decades ago, which is, uh, you know, I mean, how many times has he run for president? 15 at this point. Uh, Biden said he previously that he, quote, didn't know any black people until he started working at the majority black pool in Wilmington in 1962. So if he didn't know any black people, it was hard for him to be at the black church every single day, as he claimed. This has been proven over and over and over again that he's lying about this and he keeps saying it. Isn't this weird? It's not like that's not supposed to happen. You, you say a story that's maybe a little you're stretching it a little bit. It's not like George Santos is out there right now going, no, I actually did work at Goldman Sachs. Like he stopped telling that story because he got caught. That's not what happens with Biden. And yet we have 50,000 stories from The New York Times about George Santos and nothing about how Biden continues to do this over and over and over again. By the way, Biden was the first sitting president to deliver a Sunday sermon at MLK's church. Some might think he shouldn't ever give a sermon at any church, given the fact that he's one of the most pro-abortion presidents we've ever had. That's, I mean, that's, I'm not saying that, but some people have said that. The White House Counsel's Office says, by the way, there's no visitor logs at Biden's Wilmington home. No, they just don't keep track of that. They just let whoever, whoever's around. Are they walking by? Do they look nice? Sure, we'll let them into the president's residence. We don't have any records of who's been there. Now, you might say, hey, doesn't the president deserve a little bit of privacy? Do we have to have a list of everyone who visits his house? Uh, no, he does not get any privacy. And yes, we do need a list. I- I'm sorry. If you're going to be president of the United States, these are the prices you pay here. Your personal privacy goes down the tubes, down the crapper for about four years. You want the job for four more, then you're going to have to deal with it for four more years. If you don't want everybody to know everything that's going on in your life, guess what? Then you can not run for president. I mean, even for vice president, nobody cared about what he was doing, right? Like, it's just, you can't, you can't do this. People need to know now that all these documents have been found. Again, and I'm not all that concerned about it. I don't think people are coming over and rummaging through his Corvette-laden garages to find documents. But, you know, again, you can't go out there and, you know, torch Donald Trump and raid his home over this stuff and then be doing the same thing at the same time. You just can't do it. Uh, in fact, Biden is not doing so well right now. He's even lost the 
mayor of New York, it seems, Democrat New York City Mayor uh, Eric Adams. He's calling on federal government to play a more proactive role to secure the border. And he's saying that New York has no room for migrants. Think about this. This is a little different from the left wing perspective of of your of days of your when they used to say, how how can Texas possibly these people just want to do the jobs Americans won't do? If this was true, certainly Eric Adams would have room for more migrants. But because he's had to deal with an extra 30 or 40,000 over a long period of time in a city of 8 to 12 million people, that's too much for them. What does that mean to a city on the border here that has 20,000 people and is getting 10,000 a week? How does that work? It's incredible how disconnected the Democratic Party has been to the real effects of what are, what's going on on the border. And it's people like Eric Adams, for all of his faults, maybe he's bumbling into this, honestly, but like for all of his faults, at least he's seeing this and he's saying something. He's seeing something and he's saying something, which I'm told is what you're supposed to do. The border's a catastrophe and Biden's doing nothing about it. And now even Democrats are calling about on it. He was referring to the, the photograph of the Biden garage. I don't know what your garage looks like, but here's, <laughs> here's the photograph. So there's Biden and his sweet 1967 Stingray. But look on the back left there. I don't know if we can push in there, but that looks like a mess. That's worse than my garage. That's worse than my garage. I mean, that's not where I don't know exactly where the documents are in that garage, but that does not look like what a secure location would be. New. No. Well, apparently Biden's even lost CNN. On this one, at least Jake Tapper. Uh, also, CBS News talked about this uh, controversy. And I think the press is starting to realize they kind of have to admit what's going on here. But they clearly had a problem this week with this, especially because you have a president who made campaign and day one promises of transparency and they weren't kept here for whatever reason. Lots of questions still to come. Yeah, no, it's true. The transparency was supposed to be the thing we were going to get. We're not getting it, obviously. I think this is part of the reason why Younger people in particular are just fleeing these parties completely. You know, uh, this is the poll. Uh, this is what the, the chart looks like. You see right now, uh, it, you know, it used to be equal, basically, between Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Now, Democrats and Republicans are down at like 28%, and independents are all the way up at 41%. And I don't know that this means necessarily that people are changing their views. I don't know that like this is meaning they're running to a more independent thought process. It's like, it's like the Kanye West thing. Kanye West is out there saying a lot of things about Jews that make people not necessarily want to associate themselves with them, they, with him. They don't necessarily want, they don't, haven't lost the desire to wear really ugly shoes, right? Like Kanye made a bunch of ugly shoes. They still want ugly, terrible looking shoes. They still want that. They just don't want the brand name of Kanye West anymore. Um, and I think that's kind of the situation you're seeing here. Look, you know, younger people are still generally pretty liberal. They still have their beliefs, but they're looking at these parties and they just don't want to be associated with those brand names anymore. And honestly, who could blame them? Okay, so here's what happened. Apparently they needed a new statue to celebrate Martin Luther King and they put it up and here's what it looked like. Just don't even know what to tell you on this. I mean, it looks like something you'd find in a serial killer's closet. Just a bunch of limbs and heads. I don't know what... 
what it has to do with Martin Luther King apparently was taken from a picture of him hugging his wife. Uh, But they were like, ah, do we need the heads? Like, ah, we've got the arms. We got an elbow in there. People never look at the head. I'm just, I'm, look, I'm a big elbow guy. And uh, we wanted to make sure we got all the, the joints in there and, but we left the heads off. Hopefully, I don't know, maybe you can purchase, like everyone can purchase a balloon with their head on it and you could stick it on top and look like your face is on the Martin Luther King statue uh, after a while. I don't know. It's just a very, very bizarre thing. By the way, you can follow the show. Please do rate the show five stars, the appropriate number of stars on podcasts. YouTube, follow the show right now. We'd love it if you dropped in an algorithmic engagement comment. Here's some of them. Thank you, Stu, for getting diabetes for all of us with your selfish reviews of candy. Yeah, I didn't feel so great after that particular show. More Hank Johnson on the show. Yes, please. I would definitely give six stars for more Hank. And yes, the spicy, sweet chili Doritos are awesome. Yes, they are. There are some things that Corinne Jean-Pierre says that we hope are a lie, like the president doesn't know what is in these documents. It would be good if he knew. KJP segment is fantastic. Reality says it's time to fire her. No, please. I get too much material from KJP. Do not fire her. And an algorithmic engagement comment. Great show! I guess. Five stars. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. We will see you tomorrow. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Martin Luther King Day.